0: Welcome to Smart Talk, I'm Scott Lamar. The economic and housing crisis of 2008 is nearly a decade behind us, but for many people across Pennsylvania, affordable housing continues to be unattainable. A recent study found that a two bedroom apartment is unaffordable on a minim- minimum wage salary anywhere in the country. In Pennsylvania alone, you'd have to work over 100 hours a week at minimum wage to be able to rent a two-bedroom apartment. Several organizations have arisen with solutions. Among them, the Lancaster Housing Opportunity Partnership, a nonprofit whose mission is to cultivate partnerships and resources to increase the availability of quality, fair, and affordable housing throughout Lancaster County. Joining us from the partnership is its chief executive officer, Ray Diaz, De- 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 Agostino Ray thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Also joining us today is Cynthia Daly who's policy director of the Housing Alliance of Pennsylvania statewide organization that advocates for homes that are within reach of all Pennsylvanians. Ms. Daly welcome to the show. And Ray. All right, let me uh, tell us that we are going to be taking your phone calls a little bit later, 1-800-729-7532, or send an email to smarttalk at org. All right, I, I do want to start out in Lancaster County, but this story really could be in almost any county in Pennsylvania. Urban Outfitters opened a warehouse near Gap in Lancaster County a couple years ago. Uh, it employs about 500 people. It could employ twice or three times that in in the future. Just recently Salisbury Township rejected a plan for a 130-unit housing development. Ray, what happened there?
1: Well, I think it's uh, um, an issue of listening to the municipality. One of there is an existing um, corporate center and industrial zone where the zoning permits uh, industrial uses and one of the concerns of a municipality um, in the state of Pennsylvania is uh, how much land you have available for different types of zoning. So one of the concerns the has raised is, well, if we allow housing here, then we would have to go somewhere else to find zoning for industrial development. Having said that, there are things that the municipality can do to sort of mitigate that and provide for uses like Uh, multifamily housing, which was proposed here, to be able to have housing available for the people that are coming to work there.
0: All right. Now, I bring this up because it may be a good example of one of the challenges that uh, uh, people looking for housing are facing, uh, the employers are facing. Gap is a small town. Uh, It's it you know, there's there's shopping centers there in fact Salisbury Township has recently just in the last 10 years has been built up with a lot of uh, uh, shopping centers retail Walmart's uh, Giants food stores those kind of things Mm -hmm. Um, But I would guess that this is probably their biggest employer. Where are these employees living? Well, that's a good question. Um,
1: What we understand is that they um, are coming from parts of of Lancaster um, City. They're coming from as far away as York and from outside of uh, Lancaster, potentially uh, in Chester or Berks County.
0: All right, so they're driving. Yes. They're they're driving a a good distance in in many cases. I also understand that what the... uh, Uh, Urban Outfitters is doing is looking at the possibility of providing shuttles uh, but still higher transportation costs rather than than housing. This is an issue with many places across Pennsylvania in that now we have an employer here, there's so many places across the state looking for good paying jobs, here's one of them, but yet everyone has to drive so far to get there It's just one of the challenges that people are facing. Well, in fact,
1: uh, we had uh, completed, uh, with the help of Lancaster County uh, Planning Commission, uh, the first ever comprehensive private sector market analysis for Lancaster County and all the municipalities, all 60. And when I asked the consultant before I saw a draft, what is the one thing or a couple things you can point to that really struck you? And she said, well, I have to say that I do this all over the country, and while I see a a high number that I'm going to tell you, this is particularly high, and that is that what the analysis found is that almost three-quarters of all households are spending upwards of half their income on two things alone, housing and transportation costs. And what that pretends is a mismatch, as you're saying, between where housing is located and transportation. And and in effect, uh, what's happening is, People are having to drive more, spend more time in cars, spend more of their money that is a drain on the economy that could be actually put to uh, use to pay for other things, other necessities, or just, you know, um, everyday uh, occasional expenses.
0: Hmm. Now, I wanted to use that as an example, and it's just one example of something that is happening here in Pennsylvania. Uh, Cynthia Daly there probably are sixty seven other or sixty six other counties in the state that would like to have a, a new warehouse come in that would uh, create a thousand jobs. But you know we'll talk about uh, you know that particular instance, uh, but what is the housing situation across the state? I mean, it's very tight from what I understand.
2: It is very tight, Scott, particularly when you're talking about rental homes for uh, people. At around the $25,000, $20,000 range and below what we in the housing world refer to as extremely low income. And part of the problem that we're seeing is that, especially since the recession, uh, jobs have come back, but wages have not kept uh, pace with housing costs. There have been pressures on the rental market be- for for several reasons, and um, Ray may have a, a better sense of what's happening in the in the mortgage world um, than I do. But uh, but we know that it's been well. First of all, you had people falling into rentals out of home ownership as they lost their homes second you have people with the tightening of credit and which is probably a good thing um but but the it, the new federal rules have made it harder for people to um purchase homes to get mortgages and um... that means that they're not leaving the rental market so a few years back i think the first report came out in two thousand ten the federal reserve bank of, of philadelphia did a report called um, af- "Availability and af- uh, or Affordability and Availability of Rental Housing in Pennsylvania," and they looked uh, at uh, all the counties and um, they looked at different income groups. And what they found was that statewide, for um, that extremely low-income bracket, there is a shortage of those rental homes that are both affordable and available, meaning no one else is living in them. Of I think at the time it was about 226,000 statewide. Now since then they've updated their report twice, and if memory serves, we're now at a shortage of about 272,000 rental homes uh, for people at around twenty twenty-five thousand dollars and less a, a year and less. And and just to translate that back into wages. I don't want to get into the whole minimum wage debate, so I um, did a little calculation with a figure slightly higher than that. So it, at eight dollars an hour, if you're lucky enough to work forty hours a week, fifty-two weeks a, we- a year, that's sixteen thousand six hundred and forty dollars. Pretty hard to live on. Uh, e- even if you double that, you're at thirty-two thousand. It's hard. But um, so that that twenty to twenty-two thousand dollar range, we're talking about people who are maybe at, um, what, $12 an hour. So it's not, it, it's considered a, a decent wage. It's a lot more than minimum wage, but it's not, a, not enough for people to afford a place. And so um, we've seen that uh, the, the number of folks who are paying more than 30% of their income, which is considered affordable, more than 30% of their income for rent and utilities uh, over the years, that, Percentage has gone up also, so more than half of renters in Pennsylvania pay more than thirty percent of their income toward rent now in in the um, Dauphin Cumberland Pen- Perry County area we're a little below average, but in Lancaster county it's fifty two point six percent uh, so it, it wait, just wait, okay it,
0: wait what do you mean fifty two point six percent
2: of of renters pay more than thirty oh, okay, percent of their income. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's.
0: All right. I just wanted to, you know, wanted to make sure because we're we're throwing a lot of numbers around. Yeah. I did, didn't want to confuse people. But where do we come up with that thirty percent? And has that changed over the years as people's incomes have changed as rental costs have gone up?
2: It's a. Um A figure that was set by the federal government a number of decades ago, no, it it hasn't changed. It's criteria that is used to determine what's affordable uh, from the point of view of federal programs, but it's it's commonly accepted that um, you shouldn't be spending more than 30% of your income for housing costs. Because it doesn't leave, well, depending, you know, if you are earning um, a half a million dollars, you can spend 50% if you want to and still have a lot left over. But <laughs> if you are earning 30000 a year and you're spending 50, 50% of your income on um, housing costs, it doesn't leave you much for other expenses.
0: Now, is that gross income or is that uh, take-home net income? I
2: believe it's gross.
0: It's gross. Uh, is it gross? Okay. So it goes down even further if you uh, just look at, uh, right. or I should say it goes up even further if you, right. if, if you look at uh, what to take. Go ahead, but just to,
1: just to underscore what Cindy's saying, I mean, even if we're talking more than 30%, uh, or say 50% of uh, their income uh, being spent on housing alone, in Lancaster County, that number is 30% of, of households are spending that kind of money.
2: Um,
0: Spending 50% of income. Yes. See, that just, uh, you know, you have to add these figures up in your head. But uh, I know that we have a lot of people out there right now that are doing uh, the computations in their minds of what they're paying each month. All right. So, Cindy, how did we get to this point? How did we get to a point where, I mean, I know in certain places in the state it's described as a crisis. I don't know if I'll go that far or not. That's a word we toss around uh, pretty often. But it definitely is an issue. How did we get to this point?
2: It, well, it's a combination of things, and I think if you, if you go back a, a couple of decades, a few decades, uh, the federal government made a commitment to uh, make affordable homes available to people. We saw in the, or in the 80s, a drastic cut in federal funding, um, I'm told by about 50 percent of what the federal government was investing in in their programs to move to, uh, for affordable homes. And um, we began to see, the that was the rise of, mo- or the beginning of modern homelessness, actually, by the, the mid-60s, coupled with deinstitutionalization without funding for community supports that's when homelessness began and I know we're not just talking about homelessness now you're asking about affordability but um, I think overall uh, if you look look at trends over the past 30 40 years you'll see that that incomes simply have not kept pace with um, rising real estate values, and obviously we had a crash which, which brought values down, and they 're picking up again. but as I said, that put enormous pressure on the rental market mm-hmm. and uh, that that 's where most of the lower wage and, and people on fixed incomes also uh, who who are not seeing um, you know rises in their income people on Living on SSI, Supplemental Security uh, Income, which in Pennsylvania is seven hundred and thirty-three dollars a month for an individual, so they would be paying more than a hundred percent of their income for a standard. Uh, well, actually, I'm not. Uh, for, well, they'd be paying about a hundred percent of their income for a, for an apartment for. One-bedroom apartment. So obviously, they're looking for something cheaper, which means often it means something in very poor condition. Mm.
0: But I'm in particular, what has driven up? I mean, and we know this is a supply and demand thing, but what has driven up those rents and and even mortgage payments? Uh, you know, the cost of housing. What has driven up these costs?
2: In terms of rents. Uh again I think there's there's sort of a um a logjam with people not being able to leave for home ownership because of tightened credit because of student loans um, and because a lot of people since the re- recession are scared or or don't want to buy a home uh and then there are uh as I said those who lost their homes who became renters um so there there just has been more pressure on the rental market uh you have growth in some urban areas like philadelphia which actually is gaining some population and and um you know rents are going up there it's not uniform across the state uh but then you have things like the shale drilling right which uh drove tripled rents tripled uh, in some of those counties uh, a few years back. Now, that's calming down a little bit, but you, know, you, you still have elevated rents.
0: Oh, yeah, the, so, those rents that went up a few years ago aren't coming back down. That's for sure. Ray, what about the Lancaster County in central Pennsylvania? What uh, put the pressure on rents going up?
1: Well, I, I think there's two sides of the ledger here. I mean, and and sort started talking about the, the fact that um, uh, wages have been stagnant and let's talk about that that side of ledger, the revenue side where people pay for rents, and then we 'll talk about what's driving up the cost of housing as well uh, you know we've have We have a generational uh, demographic shift going on, the largest since um, the end of World War two. Uh, we can get into a little bit more, but th- the fact of the matter is that uh, the nature of jobs are changing, the nature of how long people stay in a job how uh, The the wages uh, of jobs uh, have changed. Uh, We're not going to be able to build, people in Lancaster heard me say, we're not going to be able to build our way out of this or fund a way out of this. In other words, we're not going to be able to build enough affordable housing or fund enough affordable housing. We've got to find a way, quite frankly, to connect people to better paying jobs and bring better paying jobs in, whether it's skills training or um, trades training, uh, education, or whatnot, so that people can afford to live in the housing, what, whatever it costs. And yes, we have to do a better job in our communities to make sure that the cost of building housing and maintaining housing is, is appropriate. So let's go to that side then. Um, you said supply and demand it is absolutely correct. Economics 101, high demand, low supply equals what? Higher costs. Right. right, Exactly. So, what do we need to do about that? Well, we need to do several things, quite frankly. We're going to need to allow for more multifamily rental housing because that's where the market is. Remember I said earlier that there's this large generational demographic shift, the largest since World War II. What am I talking about there?
0: Baby boomers. Yeah,
1: Yeah, baby boomers. For, For one, they're now retiring. And I say there's two large cohorts in, um, in our population, the two largest in American history, the Baby Boomers and the Millennials, maybe the end of the genera- Generation X um, generation. The, uh, the needs of those two groups are converging for two different reasons, which is driving up demand and supplies aren't able to keep up with that. So what am I talking about well, how their, their, their needs are converging for two different reasons? Baby Boomers are starting to downsize, retire, as their kids leave the nest. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> I'm getting, uh, hopefully uh, we, we can talk about that yeah, a lot yeah, more s- later. Some but, of us know but, about yeah, that. Uh, exactly. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, they, you know home ownership great, but maybe not so much anymore. Uh, maybe smaller units. Maybe they want to rent. Um, maybe they want to rent in different uh, in areas. They want to move. What have you? So that's putting a, a an increase in demand. Then you've got their children or maybe their grandchildren, depending on where they are in that generation. Uh, They're just starting out, and Sonny mentioned it earlier. They're starting out, and they're just getting new jobs, which are typically entry-level paying jobs. I don't know who starts out owning a home in life. You you typically start out renting, right? And then they've got debt. They've got this massive student debt, and it's hard to then um, save up when you're renting with high prices for rental, for housing costs, and then save up for home ownership. So they're choosing to rent. So, we've got these two largest population cohorts in American history converging on the same need. In Lancaster County, our housing market analysis showed that the preference for renting, preference being because they prefer to rent right now, because they don't want to be tied down with home ownership yet, or because they need to, that that preference is going from around the low 30s to upwards of 43% preference for rental. Yes, there's still a predominance of people who want to own. But that is being delayed. So in Lancaster, we've been sort of talking about the, the dream of home ownership being delayed. And, and home ownership is still part of the equation and still part of the answer to the supply and demand. But we need to have, make sure that we have a continuum of housing for people where they are today and for the near future. And that's why we've done this housing market analysis to show where the future is so that communities and businesses can plan adequately For a part of the infrastructure, we don't really talk about as infrastructure. That's
0: housing. Mm. What you just described, Ray, is a structural issue. I mean, many, many times with many, many issues that I deal with on this show every day, people want simple answers to complex problems. And what you just described, what Cindy has been describing, it's a complex problem. It is not just one thing, well, we build more houses and people will come and, uh, you know, there will be less demand and uh, the, the rents will come down. It's just not that simple. And so there's a lot going on there. We'll talk more about it in just a moment. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're talking about affordable housing here in Pennsylvania, our guest Cynthia Daly, policy director with the Housing Alliance of Pennsylvania, and Ray DiAgostino, who is chief executive officer with Lancaster Housing Opportunity Partnership. We'll be taking your phone calls and some emails in just a moment at WITF.org, or leave a question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. We have an email here. Uh, A gentleman that says, I've worked in property management. I'm saying it, gentlemen. I don't know that for sure. I've worked in property management for 10 years. Over the past few years, I have seen people renting apartments that are above their rent-to-income ratio because they want a nicer place. Do you think people renting apartments that are more expensive than they can afford affects all of these numbers that we are reporting? Cindy, what do you think about that?
2: Um, Actually, I'm not... um let me see. I had I had not heard that so much before. Um, I certainly believe the gentleman. And um, renting up, what we often hear about is renting down. That um, you try to get the cheapest place you can, and that puts pressure on uh, the availability for those at the lowest end of the spectrum. So if I can afford 700 a month, but I find a place for 600 a month, I take it. But that means the person who can only afford 600. You know can't get it um I think that somebody who's running up is going to run into the problems Ray described of not being able to save uh and um, maybe not being able to move on because their their costs are too high
0: Ray, you've seen
1: that uh, Yes, and I still think it's a part of a supply and demand issue. I mean, we have uh, one of the top five tightest housing markets in all of the country in Lancaster County. Our supply of housing is below 1%. And so when um, you look at the, the um oh, okay. Can I interrupt you for just a sure. second?
0: Your supply of housing is below 1%. Uh, Give us some context. On
1: so that. in other words, uh, vacant and available to be moved okay. into. Okay. Uh, that That's um, historically low, quite frankly. And a part of the whole supply and demand issue raising right. costs. Right. Well, if you're looking for a place to live and you're especially low to moderate income, you don't have a whole lot of places to choose from. And what we're finding is people are taking whatever they can and people who have some means are going to be able to move up. And it still may mean that they're going, because they don't want to live in a place that doesn't suit them or is not, uh, uh, you know, uh, something that's uh, clean, safe, whatever. Uh, but they have the option to move up But they're going to pay more. They're going to pay more than they really should be paying.
0: So actually what that reminds me of is how we got into the housing uh, problem in the first place. Now that had to do with mortgages, people paying too much for more than what they could afford. So kind of a a similar situation. Uh, All right. So Cindy, what's going on as far as why aren't there more rental properties being built?
2: I can't really speak to the, excuse me to the private market. Although, you know, if if you are a private owner, my my assumption is uh, that that they're not building more because, um, uh, you know, Ray described, talked about supply and demand. Uh, you don't want to lessen the the value. I mean, there there are certain economics in what does it cost to build, and what can you get, and if land prices are higher, construction costs go up, you know, you need to, to have a certain income, um, they're going to look carefully at, at a profit margin, but also at um, keeping themselves competitive. So, uh, so I, I'm not going to speak um, uh, authoritatively on the private market, but I can say that in the affordable realm, it's, it's very complex to build it uh I, I've heard a private developer say these are the most uh, complicated deals they've ever done because you need to have some sort of subsidy there if you have you' have basically uh, two types of neighborhoods the basic economics of affordable uh, housing are you either have an area with high value where you can go in you can build something, but then the rents or or sale prices are going to be too high for many people to afford and so somehow you have to bring that cost down or you have low value neighborhoods where it's not worth it to a private investor to go in and, and make the, and do the development because um, the value isn't there to pay them back and so you need some sort of public investment but generally in um... affordable rental you're talking about five six seven different funding sources that you have to piece together to make it happen, as well as getting the approvals that you started the show talking about the, at the case in Lancaster County where that didn't happen. There's often community opposition. Uh, and, and so it's difficult. But the, And the resources, these five, six, seven different funding sources, are highly, highly competitive uh, so that there are often... Uh, four times as many applications for the funding as there uh, are funds available to to make the uh, developments work.
0: Uh, Ray, you're with a nonprofit. Talk about that. Well, I I can certainly tell you
1: that whether it's the private uh, builder or the nonprofit builder, uh, the uh, demand it is there and the willingness and ability to build and the desire to build rental housing is is, is there. I talk to developers on uh, whether it's market rate or affordable rental uh, quite frankly all the time and they keep telling us that they want to build more, they're ready to build more. Uh, the problem is is that Okay, so we did this housing market analysis, uh, quite frankly, I think at a, a great time because of that, that generational shift that I mentioned. Like I was a municipal manager for, for 20 years of municipal government, and I can tell you that um, from the um, the end of World War II up until the 90s, early 2000s, home ownership and building single-family detached houses with four bedrooms and two-car garages was the thing to do, and people. Bottom up. I remember um, they being built to the point where, or or putting on the market, and you didn't have to actually advertise. People were getting offers left and right. Um, I won't repeat what I said before about that. The demand being changed. So communities have to, I think, realize now that hey, we've got to allow the private sector to do its thing. We've got to allow the market to actually do its thing and be able to look at our land use policies and make the change to allow the market to respond. Because if we don't, what's going to happen is the market will find a way. We still have a free market in this country, and that's a good thing. Um, They'll find a way, and it may not be the way we want it to as a community. It may become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy if we don't allow intentional multifamily Rental opportunities to happen. So, we're trying to work in Lancaster County to get that message out. When I say we, after our housing market analysis came out, over 60 other organizations have joined together to get this message out that we have got to do something respecting where housing is located and the type of housing. So we have a free-flowing, uh, good marketplace where jobs are are created. And that people can get to those jobs. There's enough ample workforce um, out there. They're not spending too much, and we're talking about people in the uh, workforce investment board, the economic development company of Lancaster County, the chamber of commerce, businesses, school district officials getting involved in which this. is unusual. It's very unusual. We're all coming together and saying the same thing. We need to tackle this as a community. We can get to some of the solutions later how we do right. that.
0: Well, when, you, when I say school districts, because you were telling me that uh, in the Salisbury Township case, the uh, local superintendent actually supported it, which is unusual because most of the time you have school districts saying we can't keep up with the growth of uh, you know, the number of the influx of uh, additional students coming in. All right, well, when you said that it may not be what we want, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't know what around the
1: uh, other parts of the Commonwealth are seeing, but in parts of Lancaster County, what we're seeing is, again, you've got a high demand and you've got uh, low supply. So what we're seeing in some parts of the community is that um, quote unquote investors are buying low priced homes that used to be single family um, homes and are renting them out. Not investing too much in those properties, they don't really need to. Um, they can then rent them out. Again, remember, high price because of low supply. Um, They're getting a pretty decent price for that house without really fixing it up too much. And they're not necessarily um, thinking about the um, upkeep of that property. Now, this is not everybody, by the way. Right, right, right. But, you know, there are certain neighborhoods that are prone to this kind of thing. And the next thing you know, uh, if the landlord isn't keeping up with the property, then what happens to the neighborhood itself? And so people started saying, "Aha, see, This is what happens when you allow rentaling." Right Not really. Yeah. Not when you have intentional, uh, multifamily rental situations owned and maintained by professionals.
0: Uh, Cindy, Ray just touched on something that, uh, you know, when you talk about, if I said uh, Section 8 housing, and there's a term you don't hear very often anymore, but if I said Section 8 housing, low-income housing, uh, is, you know, that we're looking to build something in uh, near your neighborhood, near where you live, over the years many people homeowners would say no 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 that's going to take my property values down there's going to be more traffic there's going to be more crime the schools aren't going to be as good but you know what do you say to that that property owner and is that something that is a barrier to building some of these properties that uh, those with low incomes can afford
2: it's definitely a barrier, but I would say it's the perception that's the barrier, not the reality. Right. Uh, and and I'm, uh, there certainly are some rundown properties, as um, as Ray described, <clears throat> but actually we have um, found that very often if people take the trouble, they think they have a Section 8 neighbor that they don't like or you know the property is not in good shape. If they take the trouble to call the housing authority, which runs the Section 8, the Housing Choice Voucher Program, they will find that that's not actually a property in the program. That it's a private owner. Um, housing authorities have to inspect the the pro- properties annually. Um, there there are standards that the properties have to meet. And um, there are, uh, you know there are some owners that the housing authority simply won't deal with because they don't keep their properties up. So there's certainly that perception, and there have been horror stories, but I would say uh, in most of the state that, that, that those are, are not the problem properties. And the major for multifamily development, uh, the major funding tool is called the Low-income Housing Tax Credit uh, Program. Again, very well run by the Pennsylvania Housing Finance Agency, inspections and and that sort of thing. But it's also primarily geared to people at around the $30,000 range, unless there are some other subsidies going into it. And so really we're talking about your neighbors we're often talking about the people who are already living in your community but struggling to make ends meet or we're talking about the people who would be working at this new factory and so i think that the people have certain misconceptions about um who we mean when we talk about affordable housing but uh... it's it's really it could be your kids it could be your your parents it could be your next-door neighbor uh, and uh, they just need a place that they can afford.
0: So, so Ray, has there been research as to what this does to property values nearby?
1: Oh, oh yes, there's been uh, research. And done what's on the that. show? It shows that it actually does not do the very thing that people think it does. In fact, it, it, it can stabilize property values. Again, when you look at it from a holistic sense, um, when you have people who are um, – stable and stable housing, um, you have better outcomes in education, you have better outcomes in health uh, care, and of course, in employment. And so, um, and people want to take care of the properties um, and it just does not pan out the way that people do. And and it's the same thing about transportation. People think, well, it's going to overrun our transportation system. It doesn't do that, for the very reason we talked about before. The closer you live to where you work, the less of a drain on the transportation
0: system. we got an email here from Frank in uh, Salisbury Township, and he said that housing project in Salisbury may have been turned down because of sewage plant concerns. I know that uh, that was one of the issues. Uh, You're shaking your head.
1: No, I don't don't think it's sewer or water. Um, There already has sewer and water uh, available there. And I want to point out that the zoning there in Salisbury Township for that development already allows for housing, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's for seniors, but that's not where the demand is. And so there's an opportunity there, everything we just talked about, for the, for the township supervisors and the developers uh, and the community to come together and say, well, how do we make this work?
0: You know, something, Cindy, that we've been discussing here the last few minutes uh, has a name, NIMBY syndrome, of uh, not in my backyard. How much of an issue is that still in Pennsylvania?
2: It is still an issue. I, I can't quantify it for you, but it's definitely still an issue. Uh, I, You know, I know that it's a problem that developers have faced a couple of, of recent um, uh affordable, uh, low-income housing tax credit developments that are moving forward. Uh, and then there are others. Uh, it, it certainly could be a uh, factor in um, the, length of the Salisbury Township one. I, I'm not familiar with that case, but it's it's definitely... Still there. And a lot of it, I mean, you can overcome that by um, having meetings with the community, that is, the developer having meetings with the community by talking about the, the studies, by talking about who's going to be living there, um, the, the management uh, standards, and uh, I think that there are ways of, of moving forward. But it's certainly still a, a concern.
0: You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. We're talking about affordable housing in Pennsylvania. Our guest today, Ray Agostino, who is Chief Executive Officer of the Lancaster Housing Opportunity Partnership and Cynthia Daly, Policy Director with the Housing Alliance of Pennsylvania. If you have an email, send it to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can go to WIT's Facebook page and uh, leave leave a question or a comment as well. Before we get into some possible solutions uh, to this challenge something else I wanted to, to mention um, Ray we were we were just talking during the break that um, I remember seeing something a while back about Pennsylvania having a large percentage of households or houses housing stock that is older very much older in fact I remember seeing a a high percentage built before 1959 you were telling me in Lancaster County uh, a large percentage built before 1970 bottom line is we have a lot of old houses now many people may find that hard to believe when they look around and see the developments that are going up and what's being built but most of our houses are old
1: well, that presents an opportunity and a challenge. Uh, the challenge, obviously, is the upkeep of houses that are older and the cost that has to go in that. The opportunity is that it's an existing housing stock and often costs a little less to purchase, but you've got to put money in you know, a little TLC into it. It presents a wonderful opportunity for first-time home buyers to pick up a house um, that's uh, within their price range.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Cindy, what are we seeing across the state?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, I wanted to add that certainly it is an opportunity, uh, but also uh, for the people who are currently living there, sometimes it's a challenge. Uh, If you have an older or low-income homeowner, elderly homeowner perhaps can't afford to maintain the property, um, sometimes they are rental properties that are not being well-maintained and, and that is a challenge. There are some very good programs around, some home repair programs, uh, some rental rehab programs, not enough but but there are really good models out there.
0: Yeah, Lancaster County has some of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Cindy, I know that the Housing Alliance, that uh, one of the things you do is work with uh, like some abandoned properties, some blighted properties, uh, especially right. in Philadelphia and some of the more urban areas uh, around the state. What about that as an issue here?
2: Uh, well, first let me say, It's not especially in the urban areas, uh, although clearly that's—it's very easy to find blight in the urban areas. Um, We like to say blight is the common denominator in (laughs) Pennsylvania, and when we've worked on legislation, some of our strongest uh, legislative allies have come from the rural areas, uh, the coal region. Uh, the uh, former oil region of the uh, the northwest, the steel region, you know, the Mon Valley, uh, Schuylkill County. So it's not just an urban area, an urban problem, but yes, it's there. And that also creates opportunities as well as problems. Uh, municipalities are starting to take a, a different look at how they. Um, how they utilize uh, land, what they do about blighted properties, uh, ranging from code enforcement to starting land banks to acquire uh, blighted and vacant properties. Uh, and um, uh, But there is still the issue of, of funds of money. Uh there are a lot of things that can be done without more resources, but a lot like even running a home improvement program for or a home repair program for uh senior citizens does require funding. And um I, I just I wanna make a couple of comments on that if I may. Sure. One is just from a from a public policy point of view, you know, everybody talks about what how what a tight budget um, uh, situation we're in both in Pennsylvania and nationally. Uh, Ray made a comment about when people are well housed their health improves, their ability to access jobs improves and so there's what I call the cost of doing nothing that we're already paying, that uh, because people are homeless or because people are living in substandard housing Hour and I say hour because taxpayer-funded healthcare uh, goes up, the costs go up. Uh, the Pennsylvania school districts in um, 2000. I want to scan up to something here. In 2014-15 uh, school year, provided services to over 26,000 homeless children and youth, and that number is going up. And so there, there are a whole host of problems that have public expenditures associated with them that are related to the lack of affordable homes. Now, on the flip side, I want to thank the legislature and, and Governor Wolf for signing, uh, in November, signing into law a new funding source for the State Housing Trust Fund, which uh, over a period of a few years should grow to about 20, to $25 million a year. Um, that won't solve all the problems. Uh, you know, one, and, and most money for federal programs, or most money for housing programs, comes from the federal government. But unlike, say, food stamps or some other federal programs where if you qualify, you get the assistance, it's not like that with housing. And so um, basically, about one in four people who qualify ever get. Uh, federal assistance, uh, mm. rental assistance of, of some sort or another for, for housing. So um, it, it really is a problem that I think we could solve by, um, by making a better investment and, and reaping the returns in savings through, from other programs.
0: All right, let's talk about some of those solutions. Uh, it's obvious from just the discussion we've had here this morning that there is not one silver bullet out there but, uh, Cindy, what would you see as going a long way toward uh, helping, um, helping to, to making housing more affordable?
2: And, again, there are uh, two sides, at least two sides to the equation. It may be a multifaceted equation. So affordability has to do with what things cost and also what um, your income is. Uh, having better jobs, having people with uh, improved skills, improved education, uh, would would help in that realm. But assuming that you're always going to have some people at the lower uh, end of the economic ladder, you have people on fixed income, on Social Security, on SSI, uh, then I, I think that we need to, to make that investment, that public investment, because it's not only the right thing to do, in my opinion, but I think it does make economic sense. Uh, in terms of those other related issues that I mentioned, health care and, and other things. Mm.
0: Uh, Ray, what you laid out earlier, as I said at the time, it, uh, it's not just a, a simple answer. It's complex and it is structural. Um, what about it? I mean, how do, how do we go about this? Well, first, I want to give a shout out to our county
1: commissioners who just this uh, week uh, adopted the land bank. I think we're one of only now a handful of counties that have done that, and that's part of the solution. I I take an approach, um, at least in our organization, uh, to empower people. Um, What can we do to sort of minimize the need for government subsidy, um, and how do we attack it so that that's the last resort? And I think, as I said earlier, and Cindy just uh, re-enumerated, that uh, getting people access to better jobs and bringing... uh, more better paying jobs and, and skills and what have you is, is definitely a, a part of the equation. Uh, as I said earlier, we've got to allow the, the private sector to do its work in pr- producing uh, the housing that we need. Um, higher supply to meet the demand will certainly play a part in driving down costs. Um, quite frankly, uh, we could be uh, also looking at um, incentives. Uh, Lancaster Housing Opportunity Partnership created something called the Local Housing Investment Fund and Trust, which is now in eight counties in South Central PA. It's drawing private sector money into a fund to put out as um, flexible, low-interest loans to developers of affordable housing to get affordable housing done, or just rehabbing housing into more affordable housing. Uh, We could be looking at, really, uh, the public funds we have you know, using them in a uh, more nimble, flexible, and innovative way. And quite frankly, while PHFA is going to be having fair, as Cindy just said, um, we hope, and we're going to be presenting, when I say we, the Coalition for Sustainable Housing, that uh, 60-member group I mentioned, are going to be presenting uh, the community and PHFA with ideas on how we could be more flexible, nimble, and innovative to do more things. For instance, mixed income communities. Let's not just think about affordable housing in terms of multifamily projects that serve only low to moderate income people. Let's get back to the notion of we are one community and we've always been a mixture of different types of people and incomes. So how can we encourage that to happen? Um, so those are uh, some of the ideas. Can I, can I stop you? Sure.
0: One in particular that I'm familiar with, uh, there, is a, um, there was a project built a few years ago in mount joy northern mount joy along route 230 that was mixed use. i mean it it had single family homes it had apartments it had townhouses i remember the outcry from people now you know i'll give give people credit uh for you know they they were thinking ahead just what you're describing but the outcry from people said, we don't want that we have single family homes here we don't want rentals we don't want townhouses it ruins our neighborhood now what the, the thinking was where that was built would be close to the train station so that people could take the train to harrisburg lancaster or the other towns along the way the point i'm making is that all these and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about nibby syndrome is that these go against the, against the traditional norms that we've done in the past and there seems to always be some opposition there is and
1: it, but it um I can't blame people. I mean, oh, if we bring in more housing and more people, it's going to drive up these other um, things. We talk about you know, uh, um, people in schools and, and transportation and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, If you do it right though, and in that case, I'm very familiar with that because I used to be the borough manager of Mount Joy, right. and I helped right. put the ordinance in place, and right. we did the same thing in West Lampeter Township with some called the Neighborhood Design Option Ordinance, where we allowed, actually required a mix. Of different types of housing, so we have a mix of different p- people in different life stages, that actually, you can have the same number of people move into your community and not have the increase in those things because people in different life stages are now living there. So, it's not all single-family detached, four-bedroom, uh, four two-car garages, which, what, who lives in those? Families, right? That's not where we are anymore, right? We need to think about the generation coming up, the empty nesters, two people. The young families who are not having as many kids, they're not putting... When you mix a community, as we did organically when the country was founded, uh, we need to get back to that so that it doesn't drain those systems we talked about. And that's why you're seeing those communities are not having the anticipated uh, effect that they they were supposed to. Mm.
0: And I
2: think... If I could quickly add another aspect to that. First of all, I think that in many... um, Areas where people live with a lot of land around them, they don't want to see any kind of development, no, no. even if it's more houses just right. like theirs. But also, uh, people hopefully will come to realize that if you can do a uh, a development that with, with maybe the housing density is tighter, you can preserve more green space around Absolutely. it. And, and you have may have better walkability and, and a lot of factors that um, the, the younger generation, I think, is looking for.
0: You know, and just what you described, Cindy, is, and I said this to Ray before we uh, went on the air today, is this goes back to the smart growth uh, yeah. issue as well, is that it takes planning. And in Pennsylvania, sometimes that's a challenge, as the two of you well know with so many municipalities. And now, Ray, you've worked with a number of municipalities, a number of uh, different agencies. There seems to be more cooperation nowadays, but still, it is a challenge all the time. So I want to thank both of you for being on today. We only have about uh, 45 seconds or uh, less to go. Cindy, uh, in about uh, 20 seconds, uh, what's the last word you'd like to leave with people about affordable housing?
2: I think it it's an issue for all of us. It affects all of us or it will at one stage in our life and it it's really about making Pennsylvania a better place by um taking care of our neighbors. All
1: right. Twenty seconds, Ray? It is about all of us. It's about our our parents, our grandparents, our kids, our neighbors. It's about our very economy. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to thank both of you for being with us today. Ray D'Agostino is the chief executive officer of the Lancaster Housing Opportunity Partnership and Cynthia Daly, policy director with the Housing Alliance of Pennsylvania. Thank both of you for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I want to let you know that uh, I'll be on vacation next week, uh, but filling in, we have uh, several guest hosts coming uh, uh, on on board next week. Brian Roach from WGAL will be coming on Monday. Valerie Pritchard from ABC 27 on Tuesday. Terry McDonough, Terry Madonna from uh, FNM will be on Wednesday. So
2: talk to you in a week from now.